It's a voter ID law, people. And voter ID laws are, wait for it, not racist. It doesn't matter if somebody on the uh, political left calls them racist. What What does that matter? When has that ever mattered? It is not racist to have the ability to say, we want to know if you're you. It's not racist to say you need an, uh, an ID to vote. It's racist to say somebody who is black can't get an ID. That is some racist you know what. So when Georgia goes about passing and signing into law these new election reforms, the screams and yells and hollers of bigotry are laughable. It's laughable when a state representative by the name of Park Cannon had to get arrested because as Brian Kemp, the governor, is live streaming the announcement of the bill and the signing, she's banging on the doors. She won't stop screaming and yelling as, as the reporting goes. Got arrested for it. Why? Because you don't think that voting should be something that is just willy-nilly, but actually should have some planning? Well, somebody's in favor of fraud. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. It's great to be with you. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. On Parlor, on Instagram, and on Twitter, at Tony Katz. People were calling for her release. She was uh, basically getting dragged out because she wouldn't just go with the police. So angry. You could be as angry as you want. Be as angry as you want. Explain why you think people shouldn't have an ID. Honestly, there is no answer that can be given. And the idea that you want to claim racism, excuse me while I laugh, at you directly. Of course I'm going to laugh at you. Your concept is, is just horrific. It's obvious and clear that when you scream racism, you're lying. And you're just saying it to attack people. I understand, as I see from the reporting, that Representative Park Cannon is black. And if she were to call me a racist for thinking there should be voter ID, I would laugh at her. And then I would call her a bigot, directly and thusly. Because I believe Americans can get identification. Now, if you tell me they shouldn't have to pay for the identification, otherwise it's a poll tax, I'll go with you. I'll be like, you're right. There you go. Let's make sure they get a free ID. I am willing to to make that happen. No question. The idea that Georgians turned out in record numbers because they could access the ballot is is interesting uh, uh, of a take from uh, Representative Rhonda Burna, Democrat. But the conversation is not about whether or not they can access the ballot. The conversation is about whether or not people can legally access the ballot. The conversation is whether or not they are citizens who should be accessing the ballot. The question is whether or not they are Georgians who should be accessing the ballot. And what is so wrong 
with knowing who people are in this way? The answer is, of course, absolutely nothing. Now, that hasn't stopped people like President Biden at the press conference from making statements that are, well, quite radical. In the line, waiting to vote, deciding that you're going to end voting at five o'clock when working people are just getting off work deciding that there will be no absentee ballots under the most rigid circumstances. It's all designed, and I'm going to spend my time doing three things. One, trying to figure out how to pass the legislation passed by the House, number one. Number two, educating the American public. The Republican voters I know find this despicable. Republican voters. Folks out in the outside this White House. I'm not talking about the, the elected officials. I'm talking about voters, voters. And so I'm convinced that we'll be able to stop this because it is the most pernicious thing. This makes Jim Crow look like Jim Eagle. I mean, this is gigantic. Let's just stop for for a moment. First, Joe Biden doesn't know any Republican voters at all. I'm saying it. Mark it down. Write it down. Joe Biden does not know any Republican voters. He made that up. Now, maybe in his world, he knows Republican voters, but no one sees anybody there. His invisible friends might be Republican voters. He doesn't know any Republican voters. Second, you heard him say in the beginning, it's wrong to give someone a bottle of water in line to vote. The answer is yes. The answer is yes. If you want to tell me you're going to set up in the distance that is supposed to be away from, uh, you know, uh, away from the, the, the polling place and give away bottles of water, you can. If the bottle of water says vote for Joe, well, then no, you can't. The I, In the middle of November or the beginning of November, someone needs... A bottle of water? Well, Tony, primaries can happen in the summer. Tell them to bring a bottle of water. No one needs to be brought water or food while they're standing online to vote. What the hell is wrong with us? And I would say to to this representative, to Representative Berno uh, of Georgia, to Representative Park Cannon of Georgia, no one needs food or water brought to them online. None. If they are in that kind of way, they can engage an absentee ballot because you can still engage an absentee ballot. The question is whether or not ballots should be just mailed indiscriminately. And the answer is, of course, no. The answer is no. If you somehow think that people should just, hey, let's mail them out, you're, you favor fraud. You favor fraud, de facto. I'm not saying that you're out there saying, let's go commit fraud. But by not wanting some sort of regulation, by not pushing for some sort of of construct, rules, this what else are you going to get? So am I opposed to these ideas in Georgia? No, I'm not opposed to these ideas in Georgia. One thing that I could certainly see is that voting time should be lengthened, not shortened. 
I make the argument that uh, election day should be a 24-hour period. I mean, it could even be a 36-hour period. Now, I say this as a guy who um, I, I, uh, I oppose the idea of early voting. Right? I hate early voting. I think early voting is a huge, huge mistake. Really and truly. You don't have all of the information until the day where it's like, okay, we ended this thing. So how can you vote early? You're voting on ideological grounds. You're not voting on anything worthwhile. You're not voting on having all the same data as all the other people. Now, some people are like, well, I can vote early, and then I can change my mind and go vote, and they'll just cancel out the vote early. Uh, My faith in uh, a state's ability to do that is zero. I mean, I'm not hearing about massive cases of it. I'm talking about where my worries are. But I think it just puts you in a bad place. That we want people voting on ideological rigidness and rhetoric and not on, well, subjects, conversations, debates, etc. Seems, uh, seems foolhardy to me. But the, 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 the idea of the day of voting, I think it should be a 24-hour period. I don't think it should be shortened. I think it should be lengthened. So people could show up anytime, day or night. So it fits within their schedule. I think an argument of you're going to stop people voting at 5 o'clock and so that's when they get off work. Well, wouldn't that be something that more affects Republicans and Democrats, people would say? So if you want me, if you're going to ask me, what do we think about the the voting day, a full 24-hour period. There, there's a moment of agreement. But voter ID? Anybody who opposes voter ID favors fraud. They favor fraud. And so Georgia is right. And these representatives who are screaming and yelling and getting arrested, of course they're wrong. They're doing it because uh, they're doing it. There was somebody who tried to uh, uh, compare this woman getting arrested to uh, black women being taken from uh, lunch counters in the 50s. Um, You understand that there is no interest in actually breaking down the conversation, discussing what's going on and kind of digging in. There's only a how can we make a claim of racism today? How can we make a claim of bigotry today? I put forth to you that Representative Park Cannon, Democrat of Atlanta, did not stand up for anything except her own. uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Reputation capital. She wanted to make herself look like a victim. Congratulations. She isn't a victim. Nothing happened to her that shouldn't have happened. She did not get treated poorly. Based on every bit of evidence here. She didn't like what happened. She decided to cause a stink. She decided to do things that you weren't allowed to do. And she got arrested for it. Just like you would be. Just like you would be. She is no hero. She is no activist. She has done nothing that is strong. She favors fraud. And I don't think we should support that. I'm Tony Katz. Sesame Street is introducing two new black Muppets to teach about race. Okay. Weren't they multicolored before? Like, isn't Elmo red? Uh, Elmo is red, and I actually thought they had already done this already. Like, like I, I was, I saw the story. I'm like, okay, I thought we had already been through this with uh, Sesame Street, right? So the new characters are five year old Wes and his father Elijah, 
And it's got the ABCs of racial literacy. Now, here's where I think it gets interesting. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, it's good to be with you. Right? Um, Telling kids, you know, even though we look different, we're all part of the human race. Sure. I have no issue uh, with that. They sing a song called Giant. It's a celebration of pride, self-esteem, cultural diversity, and big dreams for children's future. You see, if you're going to make the argument that we look different, but we're all human beings, you're not going to get an argument out of me. If you're now going to uh, start building the idea of racial justice and anti-racism, well, then my kids aren't watching Sesame Street, and it's been fun, and bye-bye there, Oscar the Grouch and Big Bird and all the rest of you. It's so easy to engage a conversation without dipping into what is pure indoctrination and evil. It is simply wrong to teach children about anti-racism because it teaches them to be racist. It teaches them to be bigots. So does critical race theory. Yes, it does. Of course it does. It's all it can do is teach how to be racist, how to be a bigot. That's what it does. Beginning to end, it has nothing else that it can provide, right? So no, if Sesame Street wants to buy in to pseudo-intellectualism as opposed to the, the traditional conversation of, of what I think we think Children's Television Workshop is all about, well, then we have to say goodbye. And then let more and more people question, how come you get all this public TV and yet you get to make all this money on the other side? I'll I'll let them figure that out. Meanwhile, Cinderella has been canceled because the cast is too white. That sounds about right. Sounds like a very 2021 thing to be happening. This story was out of the Washington Examiner. Now, is this because the characters are too white? Is, is, is this the problem? Or is, is it about the, the casting that took place and the casting for this particular Cinderella was, was too white? It was 98% white. That doesn't work with what we're saying we're going to do. It was a dinner theater. And so they're going to get rid of it, and they're going to produce Footloose in 2022. So congratulations, all you actors who got the part in a dinner theater production of Cinderella. If only you had the right skin color, you could have been a part of this. But since you weren't born properly, I'm sorry, you're just not going to be able to act. Uh, Best of luck trying to get a job in, well, anything. This, This is what they're saying this is who they are what happens when you want to put on a show i'm not saying this did happen i'm asking what happens when you want to put on a show and uh the people who try out are all of one color what what happens? You wanted to have a really diverse cast, but these are the people who tried out. These are the people who tried out. This is all you got. 
So can, can you, you, you're telling me you can't do the show. That's what they're saying. That's what the artistic director is, is saying. The company said our hope in beginning the production process again with a new title will allow us to put into practice an intentional process based on the work we have been doing towards equity and inclusivity. But equity and inclusivity mean you can't do a show. You put out a casting call and the people who responded were white. It's Cinderella. Cinderella can be any color. You think someone's going to be upset if Cinderella's black? You're out of your head. You're out of your head. But if the only people who show up are white, what are you going to do? How about this? Everybody who shows up is Latina or Hispanic. Honestly, I don't know which way the things are said these days. If everybody who showed up to audition is Hispanic, and therefore that's who you cast, can the show go on? Or is the show not diverse enough? Honestly, I don't have the answer. I'm going to leave that to you people to figure out. You lunatics. You're the ones who want to live in this in this world. I just want to watch. I just want to watch you suffer. Now, the truth is, I would rather you didn't suffer. I would rather we didn't have to have these conversations at all. I would rather we weren't all fakakta crazy. That's Yiddish, by the way, uh, fakakta. And it, what it means, loosely translated, is fakakta. I mean, there's only just one way to say it. But it... You're the ones who want this. Now you figure it out. You figure out why for all of of your work and all your commitment to diversity, equity, and inclusion, you're such a bunch of no good bigots. We'll just sit here and wait for you to explain it to us. We don't know why you're so hateful. We don't know why you're so racist, but you are. And even when you know better, you just still can't do it right. Pity. Pity, we had such high hopes for you. Oh, well, I guess we'll just end that dinner theater thing you've got going. Yeah, they, they should lose their contract. They shouldn't even be allowed to do dinner theater now. No? Yes? Uh, again, we'll let them decide. This is the world they want to live in. I'm Tony Katz, and this is Tony Katz Today. So maybe you haven't heard the story about Hunter Biden and the gun. You got to hear the story about Hunter Biden and the gun. It is insane. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. This is Politico reporting. I swear to you, this is, this is the, the, the first paragraph it's Ben uh, Schreckinger and Tara Palmieri reporting. This is the first paragraph. On October 23rd, 2018, President Joe Biden's son Hunter and daughter-in-law Hallie were involved in a bizarre incident in which Hallie took Hunter's gun and threw it in a trash can behind a grocery store only to return later to find it gone. What the hell? That's the, that's the most incredible first paragraph I have read in a good long time.
That's that's to be or not to be kind of stuff. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. I'm stoned out of my face. Let me read more. So this is a story about Delaware police investigating. Right? Delaware police investigated. They were worried that the trash can was across from a high school. And the gun could be used in a crime. Well, of course you'd be worried about that. And how in the world is, is this happening? And why is the gun being thrown to a trash can? Where was the gun before? And isn't Hallie the daughter-in-law who was married to Bo? And then Hallie got into a relationship with Hunter? Bo, Hunter's brother, Joe Biden's son, dies of brain cancer. Horrible, horrible story. The widow ends up in a sexual relationship with Hunter. Yep. This was before or during the mistress in Arkansas who had the baby who is Joe Biden's grandchild who he has never gone to visit. I can't keep up. I can't keep up with, with, with everything. But of course they're looking for it. You threw a gun in a trash can, there may be some issues. There may be some serious issues. But as Politico writes it, it got weird. It wasn't weird already. Hunter Biden, Hallie Biden, gun, garbage can, then can't find it. No, now is the moment where it gets weird. Secret service agents approached the owner of the store where Hunter bought the gun and asked to take the paperwork involving the sale. All right, I'm out. Secret Service is showing up. I thought Delaware police were looking into this thing. This is, by the way, the story is according to two people, one of whom has firsthand knowledge of the episode, and the other was briefed by a Secret Service agent after the fact. So the gun store owner's like, yeah, I'm not providing this to you. No, 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 no. He suspected that the Secret Service officers wanted to hide Hunter's ownership of the missing gun in case it was involved in, the crime, in, in any crime. So the owner, Ron Palmieri, Ron Palmieri, he turns over the papers to the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, and Firearms. Now where does it get weirder? Oh, I'll tell you. Well, well. First, he's got a gun. Then he's with Hallie, and Hallie is throwing out his gun in a garbage can behind a grocery store, which they then can't find, and then Delaware police are investigating, and the Secret Service investigates, and now it's getting weird? Oh, yeah. Because according to Politico, the Secret Service has no record of its agents investigating the incident. This is 2018. Joe Biden wasn't even under Secret Service protection at the time. Then, a couple days later, the gun magically appears. An older man who regularly rummages through the grocery store's trash to collect recyclable items found the gun. Okay. That's a weird story. That that is strange and odd and peculiar and all of those things. The problem is that it's not the end of the story. Why in the world are the Secret Service involved? Were they Secret Service? Were they not? Were they people 
Were they people uh, pretending? Were they people who were doing someone a favor? So they note that the alleged involvement of Secret Service is a mystery, and one law enforcement official at the time of the incident said that individual Secret Service agents there in Wilmington, Delaware, and Philadelphia kept an informal hand in maintaining the former vice president's security. Okay. They kept an eye on him. What in the world would that have to do? What in the world would that have to do with... An investigation is something that had to do with Hunter. Man, that is strange. The Secret Service getting involved in something for the Biden family of this level of, of possibly, you know, uh, breaking the law there. And, and why in the world was the gun hidden? I mean, there are a lot of questions. A lot, a lot of questions. Okay, I agree. That's a weird story, and we're done with it. Oh, no, we're not. Oh, we're not done with the story. Because now we get into how he got the gun. And this is no laughing matter. This is a serious issue that requires all of our attention. And all the Hunter Biden apologists in the world, you've just got to stop talking. Hunter Biden purchased this weapon from a gun store. He did it in in a, in a legal way, which means he filled out a form. He filled out the proper paperwork. When dealing with an FFL, you're going to get that background check, right? This for a firearm that he purchased October 12th of 2018. When you purchase a weapon, as I have done, you fill out a form, 4473. You fill out this form. The form asks a question. And that question goes as follows. Are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? Now, it does not take a brain surgeon or a rocket scientist, or is it a brain scientist and a rocket surgeon? It doesn't take anyone any time to note that Hunter Biden has a drug issue, that Hunter Biden was discharged from the Navy Reserve after testing positive for cocaine, that he has discussed his drug use and his family has discussed his history of drug use. He responded no to the question, are you an unlawful user of or addicted to marijuana or any depressant, stimulant, narcotic drug, or any other controlled substance? He lied on a federal form, which is a felony. 10 years in prison for that felony, mind you. Now, it doesn't mean people get prosecuted for it. It means that all the talk about gun control that's out there would be meaningless because here is Hunter Biden lying on a form. He lied. 
This story should be front page news. And I applaud Politico for doing it. By the way, the story of how Hallie got the gun. Hallie searched Hunter's pickup truck, which was parked at her home in Wilmington because of an unspecified suspicion she had. Inside the truck, she finds a 38 revolver. This all happened during a period after Hunter Biden's administrative discharge from the Naval Reserves for his positive cocaine test and his divorce from his first wife, Kathleen. At the time of the gun incident, Hunter was in the romantic relationship with Hallie, the widow of his late brother, Bo Biden. So she's got suspicions, finds a 38 revolver, takes it to a place called Jansen's Market, which is this grocery store, where the Bidens were longtime customers. She tosses the gun into a black shopping bag, black shopping bag, into the trash can. Later that day, Hallie tells Hunter, I, I, I uh, threw out the gun, and he's like, you get me my gun back. That was my impression, by the way. I'm not sure it sounded like that. I'm assuming with all the drugs, he was like, you... Give me my gun. Give me my gun back. I don't know. I don't know how he sounds when he's he's on drugs. He should get help for that. I am not mocking drug use, by the way. I am mocking a media that will not pay attention to Hunter Biden stories again. First, it's the New York Post and the emails, and now it's this. So he's like, go back and get the gun. Hallie returns to the grocery store. The gun was missing from the garbage can. And she reported the issue to the store. And then the GM of the store called the police. This is, this story is nuts. And if it was anybody named Trump, It would be front page news every which way but loose. But for Hunter Biden, it's nothing. Doesn't exist. Good on Politico. It doesn't exist anywhere else. And it's just one more reason. One more reason why people don't trust media. Because they're not interested in news and they're not interested in doing the work. They're interested in protecting their own and pushing narrative. I'm Tony Katz. Can we put an end to this whole filibuster is racist ridiculousness? Just just real quick, real easy. This whole idea that the filibuster is racist... We're not talking about certain origins from when it came to be in, was it 18-something or other. We're talking about the use of the filibuster in our modern world as a way of giving the minority party a chance to be heard. Utilized by Republicans and Democrats alike. And going back to at least 2005, not an issue of race Isn't that right, Senator Barack Obama? But the American people sent us here to be their voice. They understand that those voices can at times become loud and argumentative, but they also hope that we can disagree without being disagreeable. And at the end of the day, they expect both parties to work together 
to get the people's business done. What they don't expect is for one party, be it Republican or Democrat, to change the rules in the middle of the game so that they can make all the decisions while the other party is told to sit down and keep quiet. The American people want less partisanship in this town, but everyone in this chamber knows that if the majority chooses to end the filibuster, if they choose to change the rules and put an end to democratic debate, then the fighting and the bitterness and the gridlock will only get worse. Now, I understand that Republicans are getting a lot of pressure to do this from factions outside the chamber. But we need to rise above the ends justify the means mentality because we're here to answer to the people, all of the people, not just the ones that are wearing our particular party label. Okay. And now it's racist? Stop it. These people lie for a living. Don't buy, don't buy it. Don't fall for it. When they claim something is racist, do not believe them. Look at it for yourself. They are not honest. As Emily Zanotti of Daily Wire pointed out, 250 filibusters done last year, all by Democrats. Do not believe them when they talk about the filibuster. They are lying. The filibuster, of course, is a way of continuing debate so it doesn't get to a vote. You need 60 votes for something called cloture to end debate to then bring about the vote on the bill in question, the legislation in question. Otherwise, you keep talking about it and you keep debating it. The Senate being the world's most deliberative body is about is supposed to bring up these conversations and bring up these issues. So maybe you make changes that are referred to as what? Compromise. Where no one's super happy, but at least you get a little bit of something. And we don't move into things just headstrong. We move into things a little bit slower. Certainly annoying for many of us. But maybe a very, very important safety tool. Maybe an extremely important safety tool in a world that it's moving too quickly and people need to slow up. But in no way, shape, or form is it racist. It's a lie. And it's a lie told by people who want power and nothing else. Barack Obama would more than gladly use race to keep you from being able to have a say in anything. That's who he is. It's not because I say so, it's because he says so. He's telling you, he's letting you know what he's all about. He will take a look at what he said just years ago and say, oh, that wasn't what I meant. Oh, that didn't happen. Oh, that's not real. He makes it up as he goes along. Because for him, just like he said we shouldn't do, the ends justify the means. And if the end is calling you a racist so you will acquiesce so they can get what they want, then you realize that racism means nothing. It's just a tool meant to destroy. Don't let it destroy you. The bigotry belongs to Barack Obama. Come at me. College professor. (laughs) Right. Facebook, Tony Katz Radio. Find the podcast at TonyKatz.com. This is Tony Katz Today.